Could we stand in honor of God's word? Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary and gathered from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. They were hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. He led them also by a straight way to go to an inhabited city. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. There were those who dwelt in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains, because they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he humbled their heart with labor. They stumbled, and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bands apart. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness, for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has shattered gates of bronze and cut bars of iron asunder. Fools, because of their rebellious way and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all kinds of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his works with joyful singing. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, thank you for your goodness. May we overflow with your goodness. Father, thank you for John. Thank you for touching his life. Thank you for encountering him in a living way. Lord, I pray for every single person here that each would taste, even today, of your goodness. And Lord, want to tell about it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. So 2017, starting in February, we are going to go through the entire Bible. It's called, it's called The Story. And it's, uh, it's something that was made up by Christians. Uh, it's, it's 31 stories that kind of give the whole picture, the big story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And some of the small groups are going to be going through the story. And um, the youth group is going to go through the story. And the children are going to go through the story. And there's all kinds of helps to help us go through the story. This is, this is the big story of God. And one of the reasons why we're doing it is because more and more um, 
America is becoming biblically illiterate. And we know a piece here and a piece here and a piece here and a piece here. And it really, it can lead to a lot of spiritual confusion. It's really important to know the big story, to know where all of the pieces fit, to know when you read the Bible, how this fits into the bigger story. And so we're going to, we're going to look at the whole Bible this year, starting in February. But it turns out that part of the story, part of God's story, is our story. That we, our story gets tied into his story. When we, when we come to Christ, when we come to what God has done, and we come into it, the, the, God's story goes on through our testimony. And so what we're doing this year is we are going to be asking for testimonies. John just modeled today uh, how we're going to do the testimonies. We're going we're to have you write them out. We're gonna, they're going to only be three to five minutes, and you're just going to read them in services. Because God, God's story includes our story. So today I've called the message telling your story. Point one is stories of the goodness of God. All Psalm 107 does is recount story after story after story of regular people getting in trouble, calling out to God, and God delivering them. And then God's saying, in response to my deliverance, Give thanks. Give thanks back to God and tell the story to others. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. God is way better than you think he is. God is good. God is all good beyond measure. And the message that has to be on the the. The lips of the saints is the goodness of God in this dark, difficult, hard world. The Bible tells us in Psalm 34, 8, to taste and see that the Lord is good. We are to taste of God's goodness. And then we are to give a taste of his goodness to others. Listen to Psalm 50. It says this in verse 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I shall rescue you, and you will honor me. How do you get a testimony? By going through a test. And so there's all kinds of tests that we go through down here. And the purpose of these tests, the bigger purpose of these tests, is that we will personally encounter God. We will personally encounter his goodness. That trouble comes, and God says, I am an ever-present help in the time of trouble. And, and so we, we, we find God in our own troubles. We call out to him in our troubles, in simple childlike faith. We see his hand of deliverance. And by letting him deliver us, we honor him. In response to his goodness... First, we are to be grateful. We're to have thankful hearts. When I was 
done graduating from my undergrad was in administrative management from the UW here. And uh, my mom and dad paid for a lot of my schooling. We, they did books and tuition and I did everything else. And um, so they had already paid for a lot of my education and I decided when I graduated that I wanted to be an investment broker. Well, that meant more more schooling, and I had to pass the Series 7, and that was going to be expensive. And uh, my mom said, no, I, I want to do this. I want to pay for this. And so she pays for my Series 7. I get my Series 7, and then I also need to sell life and health insurance so that I can do all the financial products. And it's another test, and that's going to be more money. And I, I'm, I remember being out on my back porch, and I'm telling my mom... I have absolutely no money. I've, I've got all these d- training and things that I, but I have no money. And she says, I want to pay for your, for your health and life insurance licensing as well. And I said, mom, I just, I feel so guilty. And she said, don't feel guilty. Just be thankful. This, this is the mark of the redeemed. God's not after guilt. God's not after you feeling the sense of indebtedness because God did all this for me. Now I owe it back to him. No, no, that's not, that's not what God's looking for. He's looking for hearts, not that are guilty, but that are, are grateful. Let us be marked with thanksgiving for his goodness. Let us be marked by gratitude in in the way we serve the Lord. Let it be marked with gratefulness for his goodness toward us. And then let our mouths tell others the stories of his goodness. Here's Psalm 145, 6 and 7. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts. And I will tell of your greatness. They shall listen to this eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. In the NAS where it says they shall eagerly utter there's a little asterisk and you go into the margin and it says it says that, that the literal interpretation of eagerly utter is bubble over they will bubble over with your abundant goodness they will be so filled with your goodness that they they just are bubbling they're just bubbling they're like a bubbler of the goodness of god wherever they go they just they eat there's this isn't a have to this is a want to Point two is the power of a testimony. Your testimony first is key to you overcoming. The Bible says in Revelation 12.10 that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He accuses them day and night before the throne of God. And then it says this. They overcame him. By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. See, the accuser has a testimony about you. Can I tell you what his testimony is about you? 
You're a failure. You've sinned. You've blown it. That is his testimony. That is the testimony he's bringing before God. He's not just bringing it before God. He's bringing it to you. This is the testimony. You are stuck. You are a sinner. And even when you do good, he says, yeah, but you did this. This is the true you over here. Here's how you overcome him. You overcome him by the blood of the lamb. You overcome him by what Jesus did on your behalf. You overcome him by the goodness of God who's poured out his love in Jesus. Jesus, who gave his life, who died on the cross, who shed his blood for you. So that you and I could become right before God. But it's not enough that Jesus died, folks. It's not enough that Jesus died for you. It has to become your story. You have to testify about the blood. You you agree with whoever's testimony you want to. If you want to agree with the devil's testimony, then you're going to live accused, shamed, and then usually shame hides and blames others, and you get stuck in this cycle of darkness. You overcome the accuser, not by your own goodness or your own works of righteousness. He's always got more on you than you think he does, than you think he does. He can go farther back. He can, what about this time? What about this time? What about this time? His case against you is very strong. You are a sinner and you have sinned. Maybe not in the same way other people have, but you have sinned. The way we overcome is by agreeing with another, another testimony over our lives that we are loved and that Jesus died on our behalf testifying about the blood of Jesus yeah all that's true but I'm washed I am cleaned I am redeemed this is my story this is my song praising my savior all the day long help me I'm sick this is my story This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Hallelujah! Power of a testimony, it's the key to me overcoming. Secondly, it helps others believe in God's wonderful love and grace toward regular people. I want to read... Genesis 21, 6 and 7. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Last January, I was reading the one-year Bible, and uh, this, this just burned in my heart. Here's what Sarah is saying. I've got a story to tell. I can't wait to tell it. And everyone who hears this story is going to laugh. And here's her story. 
that Abraham receives this promise from God that he's going to have this child and, and God's going to give him a descendant and he goes back and tells Sarah and that's all well and good except Sarah is barren and can't have kids. And so poor Abraham is believing and Sarah can't have kids and the time goes past and, and she recognizes that she's barren and poor Abraham's got this promise and so she does it the way the, the world does and we've got documents from that time. This, this is how the world did it. They would, you could have children through uh, a maidservant. And so she has this maidservant, Hagar, and she says, oh, this is how God's promise is going to be fulfilled, and gives Hagar to her, and it's just a, Ishmael is born, and it's kind of a mess, and, and then God comes back and, and says to Abraham, Abraham, no, no, I, I, the child that I promised you is coming through Sarah. And Abraham believes God and, and the Lord comes and, and speaks it that a year from now, Sarah is going to have a, a child and, and Sarah, Sarah laughs. It is not the laugh of joy. It's the laugh of cynicism. Right. Right. I'm going to have a kid. And the Lord says, To Abraham, why is Sarah laughing? I, I'm God. There's anything too difficult for me. And Sarah says this to the Lord. I didn't laugh. <laughs> and the Lord says, you did. But even with all of the cynicism and lying, a year later, she has a child. And very appropriately, she names him Isaac, which means laughter. And Sarah cannot wait to tell the story. Everybody, here's why I'm naming him laughter. Everybody who hears the story, it's going to make them laugh. It's going to make them laugh. One, because it's proof of God's existence. Only God could do this miracle. Abraham is too old to have kids. I'm barren to start with. It's going to be a story that that is going to help people believe in God's existence, but not just his his existence, his goodness. In that day, a, a woman's greatest desire and sign of blessing was to have children. And so this is for her to get this long-awaited promise would be a sign not only that God exists, but that God is good. But not just that God exists and he's good. But the reason why Sarah is so excited and the reason why people are going to laugh because her story is not about herself. It's not about how she followed the right formula and believed just right. No. The reason why they're going to laugh is because God did it not because of her, but in spite of her. Because God isn't only exist and he's not only good he is gracious he is gracious and he did this even though I was on the wrong side and he did it and she can't wait to tell others about how amazing God is everybody that hears this story is going to laugh with me just laugh at the goodness of God 
The reason why this story had such a powerful impact on me is we had received a prophetic word at the end of December from Sam Duram. And Sam Duram uh, spoke this message that God is building a bonfire here. A bonfire of his presence and of his goodness. And, and then it's going to set a brush fire that is going to go out and it's going to bring many, many people to the Lord. And a brush fire is marked by spontaneity. A brush fire is not controlled. It's not people trying to make this happen. It just, it catches from one to another, to another, to another, to another. And what Sarah is describing here is not something that she has to do. It's something she can't wait to do. I want to tell the story of what God has done for me. In February, we had Ed Ainsworth here, and he woke up in his hotel, and the Lord told him that morning to show a video. And frankly, he didn't get permission, and the, the video was of this guy dancing. He's at this festival on a mountain, and it's, it's a huge picnic. And this guy has got this... Uh, some of you are at this service and he's got this boom box and he is dancing and the guy is almost entirely nude. I mean, he's just got this, these shorts on besides that he's not, and he's just crazy, crazy dancing to this song. The song is five minutes long. And as he's dancing, all of a sudden, somebody else gets up. And, and the funny thing is, the way he is dancing, it's clear. It doesn't matter whether anybody else dances or not. He is going to dance. But somebody else gets up and starts dancing with him. And they're not as good as he is, but he's just, he's just going. And this guy starts dancing. And then another and another and another. And by the time the five minutes of the song are done, there are a thousand people Dancing, There are whole groups rushing and the joy, the joy explodes. And Ed Ainsworth said, this, this is what's going to happen here. It was a picture. It was a picture of the brush fire. And then in April, we went out to Seattle to, uh, to our uh, FCA conference Fellowship of Christian Assemblies. We're part of a bigger thing, and we have a national conference every year. And uh, we have one guy in our conference. His his name is Dan Hammer, and he's been featured in Charisma. He travels all over the world. He's 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 a prophet, and uh, and it's the very last day. And so FCA pastors are up front, and you can get prayed for by any one of these FCA elders. And and Alice and I are we're, we're in Dan's line. I love all of our people, all of our elders, but I want, if there's a prophet in the house, I want to, I want to see what he says. And so he's, he's ministering to people and I can hear everything he says over everybody. And finally, Alice and I get up there and he said something over us. He had not said to anybody else. He said, I see wave after wave of the goodness of God coming over City Church. And God is raising up a testimony of his goodness. 
listen to this verse. Revelation 19.10. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I'm going to read it again. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Not only is my testimony key to me overcoming, not only does it help other people believe in God's wonderful love and grace toward regular people. Thirdly, a testimony has power in it to reproduce itself. Jesus, a testimony of Jesus, a testimony of what he has done in your life is a prophecy to somebody else that he can do the same thing in your life. I'm going to just read a text to you to show you how this works. This is uh, Mark 5, 25 to 28. They don't have it up here because I didn't give it to them. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. So here's what's going on. Jesus, of course, is healing many people. And people that God healed are going out and they're telling testimony of their condition and how they got healed. This is what happened to me. I was a leper and he touched me in healing. Uh, I was blind. He touched my eyes. He spit on me and I could see. And the testimony of what Jesus had done became a prophecy to this woman's heart. A prophecy is, is a living word of God that goes into somebody's heart. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. The rhema is the spoken word of God. It's God speaking. So people would give their testimony and Jesus It's a testimony of what Jesus had done in somebody else. And God uses the testimony as a rhema that incites faith in her heart. And she starts saying to herself, if I touch him, I will be healed. This is how the grace of God gets multiplied, folks. What he's done in me, he can do in others. So here's what happened. If you were here last week, you saw it happen. Last week, it starts, it really, it really starts, we, to, we told the story of Acts chapter 2, and the Holy Spirit came in power, and they started speaking in other tongues, and, and the people that are around them said, what is this? And Peter says, that he stands up and he says this, what you are witnessing here, right now among you. Is, is what, it's part of a bigger story. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. This, is, this isn't some new, crazy, out there thing. This is part of God's story. God had said, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. And, and we took this current thing, got into the context of the bigger story. And so last week, I told my story of how I came into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then brought it back to how it fit into God's story. 
And then other stories started happening here. We had over 100 people last year, last week, got their prayer language. Amazing stories. <clears throat> One woman, she said that uh, she has wanted the baptism of the Holy Spirit for 30 years. She watched the first service online and she said, I got into the parking lot for the second service and I ran into the sanctuary. And she got her prayer language. There was another woman here who, um, she has friends that go here and she is going through a very difficult time in her life and she's, she has, has just been wandering and she watched no, she went to our website because of the friends that go here and at 10 o'clock in the morning, she went to the website and saw the title of the message. And she said, I, I wanted, I wanted to, for the last year, I've wanted to speak in tongues. So I came here and God poured out over her. She testified to me afterwards with tears streaming down her cheeks of how God met her and gave her a prayer language. Amazing, absolutely Amazing. A man came to me after the second service. He said, uh, he said, I was here the first service, and he said, I cried all the way through it. He said, but I was too big of a wussy to come to the front. And, uh, and, and my wife kind of got after me and said, why didn't, why didn't you go to the front? She said, I wanted to go to the front. He said, well, why didn't you? He said, she said, you're the head of the house. I was waiting for you to lead. He said, okay. He said, all right. He said, I'll come back tonight. He, she, she said, I am not leaving this building. He said, okay, why don't we stay for the second service? They both came down to the second serv- after the second service and received what God was pouring out last week. And then I, I received this testimony. There was a middle-aged couple, and they... She already had a prayer language, and um, she was actually surprised that her husband said, I want to I go forward. And so she came up with him and prayed for, spit on, you know, the whole deal. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And, you know, wh- wh- what can we do? We, we do what we can, and God's ways are higher than our ways. So Monday night, he is making a meal called Beef Tongue. (laughs) And in his mind, he is praying for his children, and all of a sudden, he starts speaking in other tongues. She said for five to ten minutes straight, he started speaking in tongues while making tongue. (laughs) Don't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. Your testimony is a prophecy to other people. Whenever I'm, I'm going to pray for somebody for healing, I will always start by saying, we've had people healed at our church. If something that recent's happened, especially if it's the exact thing they have, I will, I will think of a, a, a testimony as recent as possible of what Jesus has done. Because testimonies about what Jesus have done are prophecies of the grace that is available. 
See, God's way better than we think he is. He's way more willing to touch human beings at their point of need than we think he is. He's he's way more available. And God is, I believe, raising the river in this congregation of the goodness of God. Thirdly, how do do I prepare a testimony? So here's the Apostle Paul's testimony. He tells it twice. He tells it in Acts 22, and he tells it in Acts 26. Why is testimony so important? Because here's why. We're witnesses. You are going to receive power. This is last week. Not so that you'll speak in tongues. Tongues just happens to go with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's not the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that you'd speak in tongues. The purpose is, is that you will be my witnesses. Pentecost isn't fulfilled when they, they each start speaking in tongues. It's fulfilled when Peter stands up and 3,000 are saved. Jesus said, you're going to receive power and you're going to be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We are witnesses. The Holy Spirit is called the counselor. It's another word for lawyer. Law terms are used when it talks about how he brings people in. He convicts the world of sin. He is making a case. The Holy Spirit is making a case to every human being. That they are a sinner. That God is good. That God loves them. Thanks, bro. That God wants to save them. And he's using, just like a lawyer, he's bringing a number of witnesses into their life. One witness was that sunset that they saw. Another witness was they tried their hardest and they failed. One witness is they got a a, a sin that they can't overcome and they need a savior. And the Holy Spirit's there witnessing. And he brings us in. And here he brings in a former addict. He brings in somebody that his experience is just like their experience that gives a testimony. And he's speaking. God loves you. God is for you. There is a Savior. No, you can't save yourself, but God loves you so much. He's given you a Savior. Jesus was born for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose again from the dead for you. He's making a case to the human race. That's why you don't need to be concerned about closing the deal. Only the Holy Spirit can close the deal. He's got some people that are very gifted as closers. And we just, we give testimony as he directs us. So here's here's how you make a testimony. First, where I was before encountering God's goodness. So we'll just look at Paul's testimony, Acts 26, 9 through 12. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Paul literally is on trial before Agrippa when he's giving this testimony. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison, and they were put to death. I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue 
to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. Paul is sharing, this is who I was. This is what I was about. He is not merciful on himself. He doesn't paint the story up. He tells it, this is, this is how bad I was. I was going around, I was punishing them, killing them, and it wasn't good enough that I was killing them and punishing them in Jerusalem. I went on the road. I wanted them stopped. Then he tells, second part of a testimony, is you describe your encounter with the goodness of God. Verses 13 through 18. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to anoint, appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that men, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So first we tell how we were, then we tell what the encounter was, and then we give, as John said, it's about this time, you want me to tell how I'm doing today, where I am today. So Paul goes on, at verse 20, verse 19, so then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. This is why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But God has helped me to this very day. So I stand here and I testify to small and great alike. Testimony. King Agrippa, my life now is not perfect. I'm being persecuted. But I've got God, and God is walking with me. Pastor Tom, that's amazing. You know, Paul's, if I had that testimony, I would tell it everywhere. That's an amazing testimony. Yeah, mine isn't like that. You know, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up, you know, I came to Jesus when I was seven and my mom was doing devotions and asked me if I wanted and I received Christ and, and I love Jesus, but I don't, I don't really have a testimony. Friends, the power of a testimony is it reaches people that no one else could reach because there are people that are like you. Did you know there's a lot more people like you than we're like Paul? Did you know that there's a lot more people that they don't have these incredible stories? They just, they found Christ. John's story, how many have that story? That they were in a church 
And it was a church, it was a Christian church, and Jesus was being taught, but, but just never connected, never connected the dots, never came to faith. We're religious without connecting. How many have that story? Lots of us do. Lots of us have that story. We were in church, we thought that was what it was about, as church. You just check in, check out, check in, check out. So that wasn't the Apostle Paul's story up here. But I'll tell you what, that story was a lot closer to my story than Paul's story. So here's what we're doing in 2017. If you've got a bulletin with you, look at it for a moment. On the back, we've got the the connect card, and and then we have the communication card. Here's Here's what it says on the communication card. I want to tell my story. I understand it may be in one of the three Sunday services or on a Tuesday night. I also understand I will work with a pastor to craft my story so that it may be given in a five-minute time frame. We want to hear your story. Maybe it is a story of your salvation. Maybe it is a story of salvation and healing. Maybe it's a story of salvation and provision. Maybe it's a story of salvation and a second experience with the Holy Spirit. But this is not a story that you feel like you have to tell. It's got to be a want to. Something that's happened in your life that makes you laugh. John Newton, of course, was the He ran a slave ship. And the fact that God saved him was so astonishing to him that he wrote the song, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And God's taken that song and he sang it over the multitudes. Charles Wesley wrote a song Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. Do you know how you get a thousand tongues to sing his praise? Well, Pastor John, we only have one tongue. No, to get a thousand tongues, you've got to get a thousand people saved. Guys, people need your story. They need your story of the goodness of God. They need somebody that has tasted of the goodness of God because they have the exact need that God met in your life. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at this. And if you have a story of God's goodness that you want to tell, I want you to check this. I want you to put your email on your phone or if you don't, if you don't have an email, just phone. And I want you to fold it up and, and put this in one of the giving boxes or you can hand it off at the info center because we want to hear your story. I'm going to say it this way. We need to hear your story. It's God's story. It's really not just your story. It's, it's a testimony of Jesus. Say, Pastor Tom, I'm an introvert. I'm, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll let the extroverts do that. Do you know that half the population are introverts? And that it means a lot more when you give a testimony and, and we all know you're an introvert? 
I don't think I could do it. Oh my, God's grace. God's grace is revealed in our weakness. So when I say you want to, I mean you want to deep in your heart. There might be a conflict going on where your personality doesn't want to. So fill that out, fold it up, tear it off. If you don't fill it out and tear it off this week, you're going to have another chance to do it next week. The other way we're telling our stories is through our connect groups. We have 55 groups starting in February. Part of your faith demands you telling your story and part of your faith is you hearing the stories of others. God has placed us in the body to need each other. No one was supposed to make it all on our own. No one is the John Wayne of Christianity. God has connected us together and we need each other. It is not good enough to come to church and sit behind somebody and look at somebody's back and hear, sing some songs and hear a message. It's enough probably to get you in heaven, but it's not enough for you to thrive and you, for you to fulfill your full purpose. You and I need to be connected to one another. And God supernaturally connects us as we put ourselves out there. I know introverts don't like small groups. They only want one friend. Well, where are you going to get the one friend? It's usually in one of these awkward groups. (laughs) Seriously, you go to the awkward group, you put yourself out there, you hate it. Is it small group again? Oh, I hate this. And then you go and somehow God gives you a friend that lasts the rest of your life in the midst of it. I know, I know it's hard to meet new people and you already got enough people that you're not keeping up with. Guys, God is doing something in our midst. This is part of it. We, we need to connect together. It says they met in the temple and they met house to house. Paul says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves, but, but meet together all the more as you see the day approaching. The fire stays burning as we feed it. And just being together, just being around each other, just talking about the word together, just hearing each other's story, it, it's, it's wood on the fire. Because God doesn't want this In 2017, he doesn't want this to be a have to. He wants it to be a want to. It's right on our bulletin, finding joy in Jesus Christ and sharing it with others. That is the whole mission statement of this church, that you would find joy by tasting his goodness, tasting his love, tasting his salvation, tasting his forgiveness. And then... It says, you know what? I'm done preaching. Let's stand. (laughs) (coughs) So, would you uh, mind just assuming the received position, opening your arms, closing your eyes? If you're not comfortable doing it, that's fine.
Lord, one of the things you have spoken to our staff is that we are to release the testimony of this people. That there are testimonies in this building. Testimonies in hearts that need to be released so they can be multiplied. And so, Lord, I just pray for every single person, not that anybody would respond to me. Who cares what I think or what I want? But Jesus, I know that no one here wants to disappoint you. And Lord, if you, if you want us to share our story, however unimpressive we may think it is, then Jesus, we want We want to tell our story because it's really your story. And Jesus, we want to laugh with them. We want to laugh for joy for every story that is told this year about your goodness. And then, Father, I pray for these groups Lord, I know under the sound of my voice right now are people that have been hurt by people. They have been in small groups and been hurt in small groups. They have been in controlling small groups, judgmental small groups. They've, they've thought it was going to be one thing and it was something else. And there's all kinds of disappointment. And then that self-protection of, I'm not going to put myself out there again. And Lord, once again, it's not about these groups or me wanting anything. Jesus, it's about you. And you said you want us connected. You said the the eye can't do it without the hand and the hand can't do it without the foot and that you have placed us in a body where we are interdependent and if we're going to experience fullness in you, that we have to have one another, not just Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that we would respond to you today. And God, somehow as people come up and read our catalog of all the different groups and and pray about which group they're going to be in. Jesus, that somehow you would knit hearts together and that each one would find their spot. Lord, let this be a great year where waves and waves and waves of the goodness of God Wash over each of us. And then, Jesus, out into the streets, out to our families, out to our relatives and our work sites. Let the goodness of God be multiplied, we pray. In Jesus' name.